This is episode 9 of the Rise Up Podcast. We're a morning radio show hosted by Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life, a network of stations across New York and Pennsylvania. Our podcast is a weekly conversation that will help you think and grow in your faith. If you haven't already, subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode. And find out more about our show at familylife.org. Today is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. This is Rise Up on Family Life. All right, I have a question. First, probably just for Tim. Tim, what were you doing mm-hmm. on January 17th, 1988? Ah, well, I was very, very, very busy. I was very busy I know not existing. Answer. I know. You I was busy not existing. You know, that's, I had my hands full. I didn't have hands. That's the day I accepted the Lord. I'll never forget it. January oh. 17th. 1988, and not not everybody knows the exact date. Some people, mm-hmm. if you ask that question, they don't know, right. and that's fine. You don't have to. It just happened to be a, a date that I remembered. I was 33 years old. That's a good age to oh, be when you're talking about yeah. salvation and Jesus, <laughs> coming to Jesus yeah. at 33. Explain um, why 33 is significant. Well, that's how many years Jesus lived mm-hmm. on this earth. Yeah, yeah. Right. Wow, and I had lived cool. on this earth. I was on my 33rd year, and uh, as I like to tell the story, and I'll try to do the brief version of it. I really will. Uh, I was, uh, I had just lost a job fairly recently, like in the last month or so. I was uh, going through a divorce. And I, uh, as I like to say, besides that, everything else was really going pretty well. Uh, That's how I tell (laughs) the story. Other than that, that, I moved back with my parents at the age of 33. So I was looking for a job in the Philadelphia area. I was going through, obviously, a tough time. I was not a churchgoer. I went to church occasionally, but I didn't do it as it wasn't a part of my life. Uh, and God was not a part of my life on a consistent basis. However, at that point, I knew things weren't going well the way they should. So mm-hmm. I started going to a church. Mm-hmm. And I went to this church. It was a Presbyterian church in my hometown. And they were singing hymns, and I'd pick up the hymnal, and I'd be singing these hymns. And I'd done that before when I would visit churches. But something different happened this time that, at the time, I didn't know what was going on. I did find out later what was happening. I'd be singing these songs. I'd be up there, and I started bawling my eyes out like a baby Mm. in the middle. And I didn't—it was like week after week. Every time I'd sing a song, I'd start just bawling. Mm. And in my head, I'm like, why am I crying? What's going on here? I mean— in retrospect, I know that God was just softening my heart and, and speaking to me in ways that only he could that no one else got through anyway. Uh, so then I, I was not finding jobs, and I uh, was in touch with a, a girl that I had uh, was really good friends with all during uh, junior high and high school, and we even dated briefly. Uh, but anyway, she was down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I, uh, her name is Audrey, who's, she's now my wife. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah. And, and so she was down there. And, and so I say, well, tell you what, I'll go down there, look for jobs and I'll come visit you and your family, you know, for a week or so. Well, I, I went down there and I knew because of this church experience of me crying that, uh, I, I knew I was going to go to church. I was, I was arriving on late Saturday night. So I knew the next day I was going to go to church. I didn't know where, but I just knew I had to go to church. Audrey invited me to her church and I had been going to a quiet little Presbyterian church and she was a member of a charismatic, uh, huge mega church. <laughs> She goes, this is going to be different than anything you've ever experienced. <laughs> and I walked into this church, and, and, and praise and worship was going on, and people were singing, and there, there's a, a joy that I'd never felt before in a room. But there's like thousands of people, and I'm looking around going, like, what did I just walk into? Uh, after a few minutes, all of a sudden I, realized, I looked around, I had this thought of, 
well, I guess this many people can't be that crazy, so there must be something to this. Hmm. So I, I sang along, I guess. They had the words up there, so I sang along and sat down and listened to the message. I have no idea what the message was about that day. All I know that when they, huh, I wasn't expecting this. All I know is at the, at the end of the service, when they asked, would anybody raise their hand and come up front if they want to accept Jesus? It, even though there was all these people and Audrey and her family were there, it was like I was, I was in a room all by myself, Jesus and I. And I just walked up to the front. I mean, it was like there was not even a doubt of what I was going to do. So on that, that's why I remember uh, January 17th, 1988, is when I accepted the Lord. So that's my salvation story. What yeah. did Audrey think awesome. like when you did that? Was she like, wait, what? Well, here's the funny part from her side, because she tells the story. She was inviting her this friend to church that she knew was going to be a maybe a weird, uncomfortable experience for him. You know me. And so the whole time she was staring. I mean, she'd be she was sitting next to me, but she was looking at me like, what's he thinking? What's he thinking? What's he thinking? Finally, she realized, all right, this is this is ridiculous. Lord, I'm not focusing on you. I need to focus on you. He's yours. He's not mine. Who's who am I to worry about him? It's not my deal. So I'll just let you take care of him. And as we tell the story and the timing of the whole service, in retrospect, we look back and go like, that was really the time that I was like, oh, this is this is something for me. So she gave me up, you know, didn't it? it wasn't her worry anymore. I can't save him anyway. And God, he's yours. And God took over. And so, yeah. And so that was uh, back in 1980. Eight. There you go. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, and, and there's, awesome. you know, love, yeah, so that's, that's, that, that's my salvation story. Now, I wasn't a bad kid or a bad person before that. It was just that I just thought I can't be that good, that Christian life. That's, I can't be that kind of person. Mm. You know, that's good for them, but not for me. Mm. And then I learned that God loves me. And uh, I've known that ever since. That's awesome. Therese. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I can tell my story without becoming emotional. It's been a while since I have. Um, and so I hope you don't mind. I'm I'm just going to play something that we aired on the Family Life Morning Show a few years back. You know, so if we get to talk about, like, the really fun days, like, you know, National Chocolate-Covered Raisin sure. Day or right. whatever. And, and today is a day that we need to talk about, but it's not one of those days that's going to make you go, yeah, it's Suicide Prevention Day. Hmm. It's a really hard thing and so hard to talk about, but it's like a numbers thing. There are more and more people who are being impacted now, more and more people taking their own lives. And if you don't know somebody who has, you know somebody who knows somebody who has. It's just, it's, but it comes down to just one person, you know. So there's a story of this, this one girl. She was tired. She was tired of working so hard to make people like her, only to feel more hated every single day. They called her names. They shamed her. They made her feel like she was less than worthless, like she didn't deserve to be alive. And every day after school, in high school, she would just go home alone to this empty house where there was so much quiet, so much empty time to just think about those words. But, you know, they say sticks and stones make break your bones, but words, words, they cut you to the core. And those words, they told her that she would be better off if she wasn't alive anymore. So sitting on the floor... With this bottle of pills on her hand, she wondered, how many would it take? How long until they would work? Would it hurt? She poured out a handful, I don't know, maybe 10, 12. Should she do this? That moment of contemplation at the point of now or never, just staring at those pills. And the phone rang. 
It's just one friend who took time to call that that Jesus friend just wanted to check in. So they talked, they cried. And it wasn't then that I accepted Jesus, but it's when I knew that he accepted me. And that journey back from from the brink of that is not easy. And I say isn't because it's it's not over the battle. I still face, but being saved doesn't keep the enemy from playing those words over and over in my head. And yes, all these years later, I still hear those words. I can't say them, but I can still hear them. But I look at my life now, and I'm thankful that I did not give in to the lie of suicide because God had a plan for me. And that plan that he has, it starts when we put the shame in the light, when we let him start to heal the hurts. And there's my story. You, you bring up a great point in there when you said and I, uh, the battle isn't over, right? Uh, a lot of people think that, oh, I've become a Christian, I've become saved, right. and life will be so much better all the time. Mm. And uh, certainly it's you have true. that hope in you. No, it's not true. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, things happen, but you have someone to uh, go to uh, in the time of need. And that, that's a that story will never become old, Therese. I know it won't become yeah. old to mm-hmm. you, but it never becomes old to anyone because, uh, you know, we're, we're all in places uh, every single day yeah. that, that we, we, we struggle, but we have someone to go to and the hope. And, and I think of Tim, who obviously from when I said I was saved, wasn't born yet, and I don't want to take, take your story, but you grew up, and I know, as, yeah. I don't know the whole story, but you grew up in a Christian home. So sometimes, and I thought this all along, even when I was a, a baby Christian, that I would hear people say, oh, I don't have much of a salvation story. My salvation, I grew up in church, and uh, and they feel guilty about right. that. Where I was think when I'd hear those, I'd say, oh, I wish I was like right. that. Right, yeah, that, that person like the, really had it good. Exactly, yeah. that, that is so good. And so is yours somewhat like that? Well, I call what you're referring to, actually, I don't know if I coined this. I, I'm sure I heard this somewhere else, but I love this term, testimony envy. Mm. We have testimony mm. envy, those of us who grew up in the church, because it's like, you know, you, you don't have the story to share that everybody when they hear it, says, oh, wow, that's amazing. Now, you do, having known the other side, you say, wow, that is amazing. I know how much of a grace of God it is that you got to grow up in the church, right? But our peers, if we grow up in the church with other people who have, quote, always been saved like us, Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound that exciting. You can't really give a good chapel story uh, at the Christian school if you just say, I accepted Jesus into my heart when I was four. Like, yeah, and so didn't all of we. But (laughs) but what you said is exactly right. So, yeah, that is my story. I did grow up in a Christian home. So thankful for that upbringing. I did grow up in Christian school. I did grow up going to uh, a church, and I also grew up listening to Christian radio. I wonder what radio station that was. (laughs) (laughs) It it was the faith was kind of just the water I swam in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it also, Steve, to what you said about not remembering, not everybody remembers the day. I actually, yeah, I don't remember mm-hmm. the day I said the prayer, as we call it, to ask Jesus into my life. And, and I think that's a, an important part of the story. Not that I don't remember the day, per se, because you don't need to know the day right. that you first accepted Christ. That's okay. However, when you don't have a personal understanding that it was real, that it, that it took. It worked the first time. You don't need to say it again. Convince God to, to, to really save you this time. No, he saved you the first time. So I accepted the Lord probably before the age of five and grew up 
in the church and, and doing the Christian life, living a Christian life. But it wasn't until mm, around those teen years where you start to wonder, well, did it really take? I know I said the prayer when I was a kid, but now all of a sudden I get nervous every time I hear an altar call, a, a gospel come to Jesus message preached at the end of a sermon. I feel like you need to accept Jesus every time. And that was my story. I cannot tell you how many times I prayed the salvation prayer because mm. hell was terrifying. And not just not just hell is terrifying, but I love God and I, I want to be saved. What if I'm not really saved? You know, it's it's funny, it doesn't make sense to to think about wondering if you're not really saved by the God who you love because that that's what being saved is, is knowing and loving God. Mm. But when you don't know, when you think, could it really be this easy? Could mm. could he really have saved me so fully, so completely? just by faith? Could he really have done that? Well, first of all, the answer is yes, he does save you completely, fully. It does really take. So there was that part of my story that was that doubting for so long. And, and you know, the other funny thing is I don't remember how many times, I don't remember the first time I prayed the salvation prayer. I certainly cannot tell you how many times I have prayed it. But the other thing is I don't remember the last time I prayed it. There was just a point I don't even remember what it was, probably somewhere near the end of high school when, by the example of other people in my life, godly men um, and, and my family, my brothers especially, when I just realized, you know what, enough is enough. This is real. This is my life. Jesus is my life. And somewhere along the way, I don't remember where that scary doubt of hellfire disappeared and became just a vague part of my testimony in the past that I didn't have to worry about anymore, that I didn't have to doubt whether anymore I was saved by Jesus' blood. It just did. It just disappeared. And, and that's what I, I live in today. Of course, we still struggle with our sins, but no longer is the doubt of what Jesus did for me something I struggle with. I also look at friends who don't know Jesus yet and uh, I always say that anytime you go through something tough, you've expanded your testimony and your territory because now you can relate to someone else. So now when people don't accept Jesus or don't even understand the things, it's like, well, that makes sense to me because I was blinded at one time, too, and I didn't understand them. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see where you were. I mean, I see where you are. I don't say that to them, but I can understand that they don't even see it. I mean, I used to look at the Bible and read it. It didn't mean anything to me because mm-hmm. my Looking back, my eyes were blinded. It didn't mean anything. But when Jesus changes your heart, then that opens your eyes. So, you know, pray for your unsaved family. uh, Pray for your unsaved friends and and just uh, keep loving on them because God's the only one that can change their heart. And if you've never written your testimony out, do it. Because there are so many things that God will reveal to you. The other thing is, if it's been a while since you've told your testimony to yourself, do it. Because... I think we often forget what things were like before. Mm. And uh, and I know even Tim growing up in the church and swimming in the stream of faith, you could probably look back and say, right, but I can see how God has sanctified me in this way oh, yeah. <laughs> over the years. Yeah, yeah. And especially during this Easter season, I mean, this is a time where we reflect on how God took the dead and brought it to life. How has he done that in your life? It's always a good thing, not to park in the past, but to visit the past, see what God has done, and then tell somebody about it. Don't hit the snooze button. Come join us. It's Rise Up with Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life. Looky here, what do you say? 
It's World Poetry Day. Hey. We posted on our Rise Up Morning Show Facebook page, Spring has sprung, how much mud it has brung. And then you began writing rhyming lines. Sherry says, flowers pop one by one and show off their colors as they bask in the sun. That's fun. Eric says, spring has sprung, the grass has riz. I wonder where all them posies is. (laughs) That's cute. Aaron says, what a pain with all the rain, but with their powers, we have flowers. If only I had time to eat a lime. Oh, well, yeah, it's true. That's always a problem. Hard when you don't have that much time. You don't even get time to eat lime. Kelly, I think, was more of a limerick here. (laughs) The air is warm. Uh The sky is blue. The grass is green. But my yard is covered in mud. Mud. Yeah, let's just say mud. (laughs) Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. It's Rise Up with Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life. Someone who hears the word of God and doesn't do what it says, uh, the Bible says that's like someone who looks in a mirror and then forgets whatever they saw and doesn't make the changes they really needed to make. Yeah, I can relate to that rushing to get to work in the morning. I'm thinking I'm not the only one who can relate to forgetting to fix what I saw in that mirror. Hmm. When we're reading the Bible on our phones, men are more likely than women to finish their Bible reading plan apps. Well, how about that? Let's give ourselves a pat on the back. We're more likely, men are, to finish their Bible reading plan apps than women are. But the study also shows that women are more likely to retain what they read on those apps about the Bible, more likely to remember. So, yeah, if we're going to read God's Word, it probably helps if we remember what it says, make those changes that we saw we needed to make from our lives in God's Word. Uh, Steve, that reminds me, uh, mm-hmm. your hair is sticking up in the back. Really? Yeah. I have hair? Hair. You don't have to be a morning person to join us. Actually, you don't even have to be a person. It's Rise Up with Steve, Therese, and Tim on Family Life. Guilty as charged. Ever been Ooh. to a lecture or maybe a conference and there's some great material, overloaded with mm-hmm. material. Right. And it's so fantastic. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Then you don't do anything with that material just for one day. You come home after the, that or maybe it's college and you need a lecture and it's great. Sure. You don't do anything. And then all of a sudden a day goes by and somebody says, oh, it's so good. What was in it? And you're like, uh... <laughs> I uh, can't remember. remember. Here's the information. If you do nothing with that material for one day, right. you'll lose between 50 and 80% of the memory of wow. it. Wow. But here's the amazing part. You can reverse the curve. This guy says if you could just spend 10 minutes reviewing the material within 24 hours huh. of having received it, you raise that curve back to almost 100% retained. And here's the other thing. Seven days later, you yeah. get to... Spend just five minutes to reactivate that same material, and it raises the curve up again. Mm, By day 30, your brain needs only two to four minutes to completely reactivate that same material again, raising the curve back up. So it's a total of only 20 minutes invested in your memory, retraining your brain. And here's where it worked for you guys. Mm. All the great jokes and stuff I say, you know, like like in the show today, Mm -hmm. you know, if you Mm -hmm. go back today and go over those things, you'll remember them probably forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait a minute, you don't want to do that? No, no I've got flashcards, Steve. I've got flashcards. I review them every night. I'm going to find something else to do with that 20 minutes. <laughs> oh. Facing a whole new day is a lot easier when you remember that God is in charge. You're listening to Rise Up on Family Life.